1: to the Cane and Rince podcast volume 6 issue 260 it's all about Chibi-Robo you can play along with volume 6 of the podcast the entire schedule up to and including issue 300 can be found over at CaneandRinse.com but for those looking to play along with us in the near future our next five shows will cover The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds finally concluding our Zelda Odyssey, well for now until we come back and do a Breath of the Wild in a year or two After that, Project Gotham Racing and Project Gotham Racing 2, both together. Then it's Gone Home. After that, we return to the Uncharted series with Uncharted 4, Thief's End. And then it's Diablo 3 and Reaper of Souls. As I say, head to canandrince.com for articles, features, reviews, links to our forum, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. And if you do enjoy all that we do, you can support us in a number of ways. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash And if you believe that the many hours of podcasts that we produce for your listening pleasure are worth something in return, you can donate a dollar a month or more if you wish. And that helps uh, keep on keep us doing what we're doing. If you prefer to get something in return for any money you care to put our way, you could buy a T-shirt or a bag at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash We also have another podcast It's all about our love of video games, music, and it's called Sound of Play, and you need to subscribe to that separately. Uh, Review, rate, subscribe, as I say, both of our podcasts on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Radio TuneIn, or wherever else you get them from. It's much appreciated. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 260 are three diminutive automaton helpers. We have no one from Caden Rince other than myself, but we have a fantastic lineup of guest panelists. We have from Game Informer, senior editor, no less, Mr. Jeff Cork. Hello. Hi, Jeff. And closer to home, we have from Ready Up, Susan Marmito. Hi, Susan.
0: Hello. Hello.
1: Welcome back. It's been like a year since you joined us for uh, our first Phoenix Wright podcast. Thanks for coming back. Sorry it's been so long. And finally, we have a regular, irregular guest, uh, co-founder of the excellent Coolbox art Twitter feed, among other things, it's Simon Cole, the Sonic Mole. Hello. Hi, Si. How are you?
2: Uh, I'm all right. I'm d- dealing with a very hormonal um, and very pregnant wife at the moment, but you know,
1: it was good. All right. Uh, so Chibi Robo, subtitled in America only, plug into adventure in case they didn't understand what a chibi robo was Uh, a chibi robo is a little person robot basically, a 10 centimeter tall robot helper so the developer of chibi robo is Skip Limited uh, and they previously worked on the very cool bit generation series for Game Boy Advance they've also uh, been responsible for the art style series on DSiWare, some fantastic uh, titles there you can still pick up obviously they also uh, continued with the chibi robo games, we'll talk about uh, in brief some of the Chibi Robo follow ups later, uh, and also some non European released games, some Japan only, some Japan and America, things like uh, Gift Beer, uh, g- g- can't even say it, Gift Pier, and Captain Rainbow, and Snowpack Park on WiiWare, which also didn't come out in the EU. Uh, and they also had a hand in Wii Play Motion, remember that? Uh, Nintendo. Uh, publish it. uh, Directors include Kenichi Nishi who previously had credits on Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG and Incredible Crisis among others. Uh, After Chibi-Robo he left to found a studio called Route 24. Hiroshi Moriyama whose first video game job I found was a character model for Sega's Virtua Athlete 2000 on the Dreamcast. Uh, Also has credits on Pepsi Man and Time Stalkers. And after Chibi-Robo left to form uh, Asobism uh, who made a game Called Freaky Forms. So the game came out in June 2005 on uh, Japanese GameCube, February in uh, the next year, 2006, in North America, and of course, true to form. Ten years ago, we had to wait until May in the EU. There was a Wii version under the New Play Control label, but it only came out in Japan, which I think is a bit of a tragedy, and that was in 2009. So I was looking up the prices because this is known as being a bit of an expensive game to get hold of. Uh, so, to buy right now, looking on eBay, to buy a Japanese copy, you're looking at 100 US dollars for a factory sealed version or 50 to 75 dollars for a used version. The uh, USC, uh, US NTSC version, I found used copies for a m- rather more reasonable 25 to 35 US dollars. But if you want a PAL version because it was released in limited qualities, you're looking at uh, 80 to 100 pounds for a used Ooh. copy at this point. What? Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? And for a factory sealed European PAL version, 140 to 230 English pounds. Oh. British pounds. <laughs> I know. So uh, hold on to your copies, everybody. You can get the Japanese NTSC Wii version for 25 to $35, but you need a uh, an, either a, a home-brewed Wii, Wii machine or a, or a Japanese NTSC machine and probably some Japanese to play it in. Uh, the reviews were generally positive, with uh, Game Rankings giving it an average critic score of 79.33% from 43 reviews fans are slightly kinder to it over on nintendo life users give it 8.7 so it has uh, it has an affectionate fan base i think that's fair to say sales wise well it uh, sold 0.39 million copies worldwide, uh, so that's 400,000 there or thereabouts, enough to generate a few sequels um, but not enough for many of our community to have played it, enough to correspond regarding it. Uh, this is th- We're paying the price for doing a second quote cult classic in a row after Blast Core. <laughs> and we have very little in the <laughs> way of listener feedback uh, because, uh, yeah, not many people played it, but hopefully... Uh, we'll sell the experience and uh, let's start. So this show really came about because I, I interviewed Jeff here uh, reg- uh, regarding his No Man's Sky guidebook uh, before Christmas, I think it yeah. was. And and I said, Jeff, you, we should get you on the main show. And what games haven't we done that you would love to talk about? And he said, Chibi Robo. So um, so what's your history with the game? Did you did you review it back in the day professionally, or did you just rush out and buy it and fall in love?
3: I just rushed out and bought it and fell in love. I think it came out in June, you said here, 2006, and I believe I started at Game Informer around November. So I was not okay. working there at the time. But um, yeah, I, I bought it on the GameCube. As soon as it came out, I it was actually fun for this experience to go back to it and pull out my GameCube out of storage and popped in a memory card at random, and it had yeah. my original save game on it still, which <laughs> I looked nice. at that and I thought, oh boy, this is 24 hours, so this is going to be a bit of a bit of a slog. But fortunately, I have to say... Going through it a second time, it took about 14 hours or so. Um, okay. But I've always had just an incredible fondness for the character. Uh, I, th- I I think it's just a beautifully designed little guy. Uh, and I thought the story, at the time at least, I, I don't want to play my hand, at the time I thought it was surprisingly dark and kind of sophisticated yeah. and the way that it uh, portrayed a family. And I, I have an incredibly soft spot for any game game. That either lets me be a big guy in a little world, or a little guy yeah. in a big world. So this one is <laughs> what completely little guy in a big world, which is one of my favorite things of all time. So,
1: yeah, we we've been talking about this in in among the the Rince team. Darren uh, Gargett, who's one of our regular contributors, he he has uh, he's he's he would have been our, our Chibi Robo panelist had I not had uh, you three excellent folks uh, join me. And he has a real thing for uh, yeah that that uh, that particular setup. Um Susan so uh you put yourself down as a potential guest on a future Chibi Robo show on our major spreadsheet of uh of games that we wish to cover thousands and thousands of games so uh so you've got a, a special relationship with the little guy do you
0: <laughs> Yeah who doesn't at this point Um yeah I I got it when it first came out on GameCube and I'm. I'm really glad I did. Hearing how much it's actually worth now. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I. Yeah. I just. It's another case of those. Just bought it. Brought it home. Played. Played it and fell in love. And yeah, I've played all of the rest of the anything Chibi Robo I can get my hands on. Basically, I've played it. Great. Um.
1: Oh, that's very good to hear because I haven't. We'll need you later in the oh, show. Oh,
0: excellent. Yeah. yeah. So um. Yeah, he's just he's just incredibly cute. I have a a real fondness for. Um cute tiny characters and I have a real fondness as well for um surprisingly sprawling stories and this one of the things that really appealed to me about this game was just the number of things that you can uncover and discover as you're just running around doing mm. your chores so
1: excellent uh simon you also uh put yourself forward as a potential contributor to this here podcast so uh what's your what's your history with chibi
2: uh yeah um i'd followed the game in the press and then i remember it kind of disappeared and then came back and at the, at the time I was, my housemate had a gamecube i had a ps2 uh and I, we we basically shared the consoles um and then um his uh his his girlfriend left him and he moved to Brighton quite quickly, so he broke his heart. she also broke mine because I didn't have a gamecube to play on anymore so I toyed the idea of getting, <laughs> I, toyed, I toyed the idea of getting a gamecube for quite a while, and it was like yeah I'm definitely gonna get one, I'm definitely gonna get one and then it got to Christmas two thousand and six, and when the Wii kind of surfaced. Uh, everyone was going crazy for it, and my girlfriend, which shes my wife now, she was like, I want to get a Wii, I want to get a Wii. So I thought, okay, they're backwards compatible. Um, so we bought the, yeah. bought the Wii, and I bought, because I've been keeping an eye on Chibi-Robo, I bought that, I bought um, uh, Resident Evil 4, and I also bought the GameCube copy of, GameCube version of Fire Emblem, um, all at the same time, and ended up playing um, Chibi-Robo yep. on... Wii rather than the GameCube and I didn't actually get a GameCube until a couple of years ago. Uh, so when I replayed it this time, I played it on the GameCube sort of the way it was supposed to be played. Um but when I played it originally, mm. I have to say I loved it. I just I'd been looking for the kind of fix that Mr Mosquito gave me on the PS2. Don't even remember that. Oh, oh, yeah. Which I, oh yeah. Which is kind of like the the opposite of um Chibi Robo in that you're playing <laughs> a very small character who is trying to drive everyone crazy and basically drive them apart. And it kind of scratched that itch. You know, I I kind of think. Mosquito. (laughs) We've kind of. um, We've kind of. That that era of gaming is kind of like a. uh, In the past now, where we used to get a lot of these mid range games that were sort of quirky and original. Um, And Chibi Robo kind of sort of fits into that bracket, I think. And I just loved it. It was really Mm. kind of charming. And then it was one of those games you think, I'm going to replay that at some point. I'm going to replay it. And you sent me a copy of the, the spreadsheet and I th- saw that and I thought, oh, I'll put my name down for that and then I thought you'd probably never do an episode because I was aware of how few people have probably played oh. this. And then lo and behold you yeah. send an invite and I replayed it over the last couple of weeks and fell in love with it all over again. Nice. And it took me about I think it took me about eighteen hours in total because originally I was just going to go through and do the main the main story just so I reacquainted myself of it. But once you get to get once the characters get the hooks into you you want to see all their little stories yeah. straight to the end mm-hmm
1: yeah, well, oh, thanks for uh, for going back and replaying it. I I played it for the first time for this show, so oh. uh, I am mm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my my cards close to my chest as to what I thought of it. But I am the person who has played this for the first time in 2017. So I remember, <laughs> uh, I remember this being in the shops in in 2005 uh, six rather, uh, and I remember it being 40 pound or 45 pounds. And for whatever reason, I guess there were other things that were ahead of it on my. Uh, my my wish list at the time, after a while, as you say, the cube was uh, was not a commercial concern anymore at this point, so it disappeared from the shops. Uh, I didn't pick it up and then the price started to escalate, so I didn't get around to it. Fortunately, my friend Pete uh, had picked up a copy uh, at the time. He's never finished it, although he's played a reasonable way into it, um, but he's one of these people who very seldom finishes games. But I asked if I could borrow his copy, and so I did. So I've been, uh, yeah, playing it. I, I think it uh, t- also took me about, uh, s- yeah, probably about seventeen hours as well. I think, um, yeah, and I'm quite, uh, I'm quite meticulous. I'm, I'm a bit like uh, Mobot out of Wally when it when it comes to stains on the floor. <laughs> I find it hard to ignore them. Uh, yeah, the. The the How Long to Beat uh, site gives the main story at 13 hours and a completionist at 21 hours. So that gives you some idea. And as we like to do in uh, Kane and Rinse these days, I looked up the world speedrun record, which was set about a year ago by a guy in the USA called Single Scoop. And he has completed the game. I'm not sure if this is any percent. I assume it's any percent. But two hours and 28 minutes, 54 seconds It's possible crow. to do that version. Yeah. Right. And most uh, of that is probably
3: so, scrolling through text, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a certain amount of that. Uh, and un, I can't, uh, unskippable cutscenes, sc- cut possibly. Um, yeah. So this game was actually announced in early 2003, and it was going to be published by Bandai. And my, my curiosity was piqued when I noticed the Bandai logo come up on, uh, on booting the game um, when it was a Nintendo published uh, product. Obviously, this was pre Namco Bandai. Merging, So it was just Bandai, the toy company, the occasional video game manufacturer. Uh, it was originally due to come out in June 2003 in Japan. Um, there's a beta version. If you go to unseen64.net and look for Chibi Robo GC Bandai beta version, uh, you can see that the earlier version entailed Chibi defending the home uh, of his inventor from a pair of burglars. And it was a kind of point-and-click kind of game rather than uh, direct control. Um, but this game, at some point, was uh, there were disagreements among the team and it was, uh, it was put on indefinite hold, which, as we know, is normally... A euphemism in the games industry for completely canned and will never see the light of day. However, um, Kensuke Tanabe introduced uh, Shigeru Miyamoto to the game uh, as a fellow fellow Nintendo producer, and Miyamoto, I guess, thought Chibi-Robo was pretty pretty cute and saw the potential of the project, the project and signed on as a senior producer so development was completely revamped within Nintendo uh, or with Nintendo acting as a publisher and a steering hand no doubt Uh, and so yeah, another couple of years three years work or whatever and uh, and it ended up coming out as it was. Uh, I'm going to issue a spoiler warning now because there is a story to this game and we are going to talk about it because I think a lot of the game's uh, charm and lasting appeal uh, probably comes from that. I do have one forum post to share. Thank you very much to Nick Beaumont, who says, uh, quite frankly, I am shocked, appalled and made to feel a little bit sick by the apathy my fellow gamers have towards Chibi Robo. I don't know how serious he's being. Okay, I admit later enter- entries in the series haven't done the franchise justice. And when I say later entries, I pretty much mean every game but the original. But by gum, Chibi Robo, plug into adventure, was something special. Playing it as a typical 16 year old teen, Chibi Robo combined my three favorite things toy, ro- uh, toy Story, Metroid, and miniature robots. We all had a thing for miniature robots, right? The concept sells itself. You control a small, benign robot whose job it is to clean. The house and keep the Sanderson family happy. What's not to love? There's something very minish cap like about the environment you explore. The tiny size of our titular hero turns the domestic setting into a challenging landscape that you have to learn to traverse. Drawers can be pulled out to act as stairs, lamp cables can be climbed up, and skirting boards can be shimmied across to find secrets behind the back of the TV. Simply climbing to the top of a display cabinet doesn't sound like a daunting task, but in Chibi Robo, it takes a huge amount of effort and creativity. In true Metroid style, a slow drip of extra abilities unveil themselves as you progress, allowing you to access areas of the map previously inaccessible. The Chibi Copter, for example, would let you hover for a small amount of time and the Chibi Blaster lets you shoot obstacles in your way. The biggest barrier to your exploration, though, is also the game's most controversial aspect, your battery. Every step taken and every action performed saps away at your battery gauge and when it reaches zero, it's game over. Well, it's not quite game over. It's, it's back to the Chibi house. But uh, it's a neat touch that Chibi can recharge his battery at any power outlet, but it does mean that all your exploration is accompanied by a Majora's Mask-style anxiety about the constant threat of death. <laughs> making things worse, as is the in-game clock that will return you to your starting position when the game switches to day or night. Overall, it can feel a little bit contrived, uh, a a bit of a contrived way to limit your exploration and prolong the game length, but then again, your battery can be greatly upgraded, and I loved the feeling of accomplishment as I was gradually able to explore further afield. On a technical level, this isn't the best-looking game, even by GameCube standards. Everything is very angular, and your various abilities such as your blaster never feel all that satisfying to use. The game more than makes up for this though in terms of characters and it's a joy to explore the Sanderson household and meet the inhabitants I never found the writing to be out of this world but every NPC is injected with warmth and personality and the narrative takes a surprisingly sombre arc as you discover that the little family isn't quite as happy as they outwardly appear of course, it isn't just the family members you'll be talking to. Come nighttime, all the toys in the house come alive Toy Story style, adding a huge amount of weird, wacky and downright scary characters to the game's cast. Chibi-Robo offers such a unique and charming take on the usual Metroid formula, I can't help but love it. Granted, things get a little too weird at the end, and I remember the final boss being pretty anticlimactic. Combat is not the game's strong point. But the whole package is just bursting with character, and I really feel that the game deserves a true sequel to sand away those rough edges and reach its full potential. Uh, Thank you, Nick. And uh, this opens it up for us to talk about the various aspects of the game. Let's talk about those visuals, first of all, because um, I want to hear from you guys as people who played it back at the time and who have revisited the game. Uh, Jeff... Do you remember uh, ha- having a particular feeling about the, the either the technical or, or the aesthetic side of the, the graphics and the art back in the mid-2000s?
3: I, I, I don't think that at the time I was uh, grabbing people by the lapels and shaking them saying, you need to play this game. Holy cow. It's incredible. But mm. I, I remember liking the art style. It was very clean, uh, very colorful and bright. Uh, and even revisiting it now, it it's difficult for me to remember exactly where things were, you know, from a technical yeah. standpoint, but I, I was looking at it and going, "Yeah, the I mean, you could get really high in a house in the house and it looked down across the room. And it seems like it isn't the most busy place, you know, bustling with activity and everything, but you have a, a nice, you could see everything crisply. There's no like artificial fogging or anything like that. Um, yeah. Which was yeah. nice. And it was, it, if you, if I'd, if you'd asked me, I would have assumed that there'd be like a Silent Hill type. Well, you're you're only really seeing this far ahead of you, you know, just to make up for the hardware mm. limitations. But yeah, it, you can see everything, and you know, the draw distance is quite nice, even if what's being drawn isn't isn't like warming up the the machine or anything like that. Yeah, sure. Remember Chibi? Sure. Chibi himself, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think Chibi himself, though, he's got a really nice uh, kind of like pseudo chrome yeah. visual effect yeah. on him that I think <laughs> is really really spiffy looking, and the 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 yeah. Sandersons are uh pretty gross looking now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh but overall, yeah, exactly. They have like the the paddle hands that you know games of that era typically did. Uh yeah, right. A lot of exaggerated animations and everything. But I think overall and I'll probably use this word way too much, so get ready for it. It's so charming that I think I'm mm-hmm. able to overlook a lot of those rough edges that, that Nick kind of pointed to in his excellent forum post.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Susan, how do you feel about the game visually, and can you do you have any separate feelings between then and now, ten years later?
0: Um, I think it was a, a similar sorts of things around how I never. When I was playing it previously, I never really noticed how kind of derpy everything looked. Um, But (laughs) coming back to it, I still think that, yeah, it looks kind of clumsy, like, you know, the Sanderson's, especially Mrs. Sanderson, I have no idea what's going on with her top half. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like those kind of things, yeah, it just gloss over it because it it all felt very kind of cartoony to me. And that's especially like in the use of colours. Um it, the game is like mm. very bright and I know of nobody who would decorate the house like the Sandersons did. Um there's just <laughs> so many no, clashing right. colors and things like all over the place but it's yeah. it's it's bright and it's beautiful and um yeah but yeah I wouldn't exactly sing about the game's graphics <laughs> to anybody <laughs> else. Um sure But, I, sure. but it, it was fine to play and you know that I agree with that kind of sense of scale um, like I probably didn't notice it at the time like when I was playing it just like took it for granted but now I look back and playing it again I'm thinking like that that is a pretty big deal like when you're in the foyer and you look up and you can see all the way up to the top like mm-hmm. all the way to the ceiling mm. you can you can see all the way through the like you know all around the banisters and things you can use your chibi scope to like zoom into tiny details and stuff it's it's yeah. pretty impressive
1: yeah, absolutely. You can imagine that they probably kept the poly count relatively low, so that they could uh, facilitate the ability to see you know, as far as you needed to be able to see. Uh, Simon, how about you on this?
2: Um, I, I remember back at the time. I've always quite like quite liked the appearance of GameCube games. Generally, I think they've got quite mm-hmm. a nice sort of softness to them. Um, but yeah, just to echo what Susan was saying, that is a hideous house. I like to think that in, in 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 a sequel, it would be sort of Chibi Robo interior decorator or something like that, just to sort the place out. Chibi Robo is ho-
0: happy home designer. It
2: is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 horrific. I mean, I don't know how they. Oh, how could you live in an environment like that? Oh, it's that
3: foyer is. Yeah, the foyer in particular is aggressively purple. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. But a great staircase, I'd I love, love I s- to have a staircase like that. <laughs> I'd love to have a... Spa- yeah, I had. I had my mum's friend had a house with a spiral staircase uh, when I was a kid, and it, it was a special deal uh, going up and down that. Uh, I I suppose, um, and, and I don't know if anyone's got... A, uh, whether there's an official uh, law, <laughs> <chipping over laughs> a robo law or canon on this, but um, I think it's an interesting uh, sort of scenario because it's obviously... It's a Japanese take on presumably an American household, mm. And it's set seemingly in a slightly sort of, I mean, the TVs look old even for when the game was, but they are in colour. So it's hard to know if it's like, there's obviously this, there's UFOs and uh, little robot helpers, Mm. like it's something out of the 50s or the 60s, but the telephones look a bit more modern. Um, It's hard to know exactly where or when. It's um it's meant to be. I guess it's not meant to be any particular time, but have any of you got a, a sort of handle on what where in the where and when in the world we are?
2: I thought I thought it was supposed to be um sort of modern day. I kind of felt that the what they were commenting right. on with the dad and his toys felt like a bit of a yeah. reflection on was a comment on. Um I hate to use this phrase geek culture or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh consumer culture. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, which I thought was one of the most powerful hooks in the game. Actually, um, yeah, how I viewed mm. the dad—it um, it made me. Well, I, I. It made me question yeah. some of my own. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was going to say I, I don't think many of us, not many of us or our listeners, can identify a uh, an overweight middle aged man uh, with a dubious facial hair and an addiction to buying things that he should have grown out of twenty or thirty
0: years <laughs> ago. <laughs> um. In terms of like timeline, I thought it was supposed to be set in like two thousand six, just because, or, or like, right, or, or okay. like ten or so years after that, because um, the dad's oh, wedding future. ring, the dad's wedding ring has the oh, has yeah. his anniversary on it, mm. and it says sixty seven, yeah, two zero zero six six seven, something like that. So I I always presume yeah. that it was that. Like if you assume that they like got married and then had Jenny, who's Who's what? Like eight, nine, three three, she's four, in. five, oh, six, seven, eleven. <coughs> oh. eight. Eight. <laughs> she's a human eight. child. She's not eight years old. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> she eight, right, okay. I thought I but yeah, I suppose it's difficult to tell because because she's obviously um somewhere on the spectrum. Um, she's uh, I thought, well that's how her mother sees it anyway. Um <laughs> obviously she talks mainly in frog. So I was kind of maybe underaging her mm-hmm. uh, a little thinking, yeah. So, yeah, but that would... Yeah, so if they got married and had a kid straight away, that would make it the 70s, wouldn't it? Interesting. <laughs>
2: uh, maybe he was concentrating on his um, career at the time, inventing stuff, and they put off Children's until later on. <laughs>
0: this is, this yeah. is just one of those rabbit holes just, you're not sure whether you should play. Like it really do. is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, real quickly, um, one of the things, as I was playing it, I was thinking to myself... Was it localized like with the type of plug that is attached to Chibi Robo himself? <laughs> like, do you still have the, the written? I want to I forgive me for saying the normal, but the type of plug that I am used to that is just an ungrounded <laughs> North American style or Japanese style plug. Did you guys get your like in Europe? No, in other territories? We, Was it we, a weaker plug? The, nope. same yeah. plug. Same plug, okay.
1: Yeah. That, we we have a three prong plug over here. I don't know if you've you've been. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. ours uh, ours are safer, right? <laughs> um, and I think uh, a lot of a lot of our yeah I don't know when that standard started and there's mm-hmm. probably uh, EU safety regulations that we'll be able to ignore <laughs> in the future uh, due to Brexit. So uh, excellent, oh, more uh, death by electrocution <laughs> on top of everything else. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's yeah it's it's absolutely they did they didn't localise it to make it into a British home. It's clearly um, he still carries around his uh, two pronged plug. Uh, two-pin plug, and I, I have here my um, my European-bought Chibi Robo Amiibo, which uh, which was kindly gifted to me by our very own Darren. Uh, sitting in front of me, I guess he's kind of one-to-one scale, which is unusual for an Amiibo, mm-hmm. uh, and he still has his two-pronged uh, plug on his head. So yeah, it's definitely um, yeah, it's definitely in in uh, in, in <laughs> the
3: yeah. He would be Current. dwarfed if he had a UK-style plug. I just didn't work out necessarily. And to clarify, I would like to apologize for calling it calling it a normal plug. It was very US centric of me. And I realized after I said it, I was like, that's probably not going to go over super well. So there you are.
1: It's okay. We yeah, it's it's all right. There's there's no plug discrimination. Yeah, that's it's fine. fine. <laughs> so one of the elements I found the most Uh, endearing and downright catchy as the uh, the music in the game Um, we will open and close the show with some of that music Uh, but also not just the actual background music that plays along different tunes in uh, depending on the time of day and where you are and things like that but also the use of sound throughout the game is genuinely uh, endearing and, and funny I thought the use of both Um, sort of regular uh, musical instruments to indicate uh, types of motion so every every sound effect apart from Chibi's kind of little um, camera shutter type sound effects like the sound of him climbing something is the sound of sort of ascending flutes or something like that and 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 uh, and all that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, the the, the music itself uh, I, I found particularly enjoyable. So the 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 credited musicians on the game uh, are Hirofumi Taniguchi, but also uh, a guy called Alberto Gonzalez, who used to go by uh, a different name, uh, Joe McCalby. Uh, because he found he thought his own name was just blo- boring and ordinary. He did a lot of music in the uh, in the uh, eight and sixteen bit days, in particular. But uh, yeah, so I was uh, I was a big fan of the, of the soundtrack of this game. How about you guys, uh, Simon?
2: Um, yeah, I really liked it. Um, <clears throat> I liked that they didn't go down the obvious route, which would I think would have been oh, it's a robot. Let's use loads of synthesizers. Everything had a really nice organic feel. Um, yeah, I particularly mm. like the pause music. Which was kind of like a, a sort of a repetitive um, acoustic guitar refrain, um, and had this really sort of liquidy, yeah. liquidy sort of bassy feel to it. Um, so you mm. got kind of metoric, um, kind of. I guess it kind of um, gave you the impression that he was always moving; he was always really busy. And it's the same elsewhere. I think the the, the music kind of really fitted the the scenario that um, Chibi Robo was in. Um, But yeah, the the pause menu, I kept pausing it just to listen to it. I found it really (laughs) hypnotic. So I really liked the noise he made as he sort of scuttered across the uh, living, I think it's particularly the living room floor and the little sort of tinkly sort of piano sounds. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: yeah, and depending on what surface he's walking on, you get different sounds, and yeah. it's uh, it's very much in the style of um, the when cartoons, uh, you know, thirties, uh, well, forties, fifties, uh, Warner Brothers and Hanna Barbera cartoons, Tom and Jerry and stuff. The idea that if someone was sneaking across the carpet, it would be xylophone keys or, or something like that. Um, so it definitely ties into that. Susan, you're a fan of this the audio work on chibi Robo?
0: Um, yeah, I I am, and I. Yeah, I think that the same, similar with you guys. The what I found really cool was the yeah the way that his footsteps changed depending on the surface that he was walking mm. on. If we're talking about um, what sound do I like the best, I like the sound when he's on like um, tiles or like on the cooker. It's like a really high kind yeah. of glockenspiel kind of um, tinkling sound, which is really good. Yeah. Cool.
1: Mm, very sweet.
0: So I also have a little bit of an obsession with the um, with the cleaning music, like when you get to take a toothbrush out. Oh. Um, those little riffs yeah. that keep repeating, yeah. like over and over again, depending on how much you clean. That's um, that's like just really catchy and just a really nice detail. On how everything is just music. It's just it's just happy. It's very cheerful. It's kind of like yeah, we're running around the house doing cool things and making everybody happy. And yeah, I feel like that's really kind of reflected in the music.
1: Yeah, and uh, and also the I think the the payoff jingles that you get for every little heart one or 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 or, or moolah coming in—it's all really—it um, plays into the endorphins that you're getting. So you, unlike in real life, where you only get that. Uh, that sort of sense of satisfaction because you've cleaned something and you look back at it and go, okay, that's clean. Uh, in, in Chibi-Robo, you get you get little hearts with wings and money coming your way. And uh, I don't know, maybe some of you do get that. But uh, <laughs> nope. for me, it's... No, no, no. Jeff, uh, are, you, are you a fan of the funky bass work and uh, and the diegetic effect? Absolutely. To be about yeah, I think about in it?
3: particular, I agree with uh, Susan, the toothbrush music. I looked forward to every footprint that I saw, or like the big, the big black <laughs> yeah. globs of goo, whatever that was, because those being larger took a little more time to to clean, and the the guitar effect on that was particularly great. Um, there's also a really cool song when you're descending a chord, which isn't something that you typically hear. I remember like going out mm. of my way to find it because you know the, those usually you're ascending, you know what I mean, and then and you're using your copter. to to flutter down so the i remember i was several hours into it for the before i heard it for the first time i was like oh i like this a lot (laughs) just just in general though i the the also the uh like you mentioned leon the the songs that are like it's very music oriented game too just throughout like all the various characters have theme songs there's a couple of like little mini concerts uh when you i believe it's the first time you buy one of those uh uh the big tall ladder things your little TV buddy sings us a, a theme song for you that's pretty cute um yeah yeah it just seems like there's a lot going on as far as audio goes it's generally pretty clever and surprising
1: yeah, and the uh, the one that really made me laugh out loud, and this was a game that made me chuckle more than many games. Um, but the 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 music that made me laugh, as well as uh, Drake Redcrest <laughs> stuff, which was which was, yeah. uh, good. It was the when you're ascending the uh, the sort of doll's house setup mm-hmm. in in Jenny's bedroom. There's every time you plug in a battery, uh, you get a uh, the band plays a little <laughs> sort of um, brass band dirge, <laughs> which is properly hilarious. Uh, so. Yeah, coming back on, and, and I think, as I say, we, we will talk about the technical side of controls and, and progress and puzzles and all that sort of thing, but I think uh, I do want to talk some more about the, the story and the characters and the script, in fact. Um, it's it's a real really odd game. It reminds me a little bit of some other things. There's sort of bits of Parappa the Rapper in there, um, but it's it is as as our correspondent alluded to, there are things that are a little darker here. And one of the things that amused me from the off really is that Chibi-Robo is, uh, to paraphrase Homer Simpson talking about alcohol, the the cause of and solution to all of the (laughs) Sanderson's problems. So if it wasn't for... Mr. Sanderson buying Chibi Robo in the first place, his marriage wouldn't be on the rocks. I mean, there are other there are other issues. He's you know he's he's lazy, feckless, no good for nothing. Doesn't do doesn't help with the housework, and obviously they live. Depending on when when this game is set, they have a uh, they seem to have a generally old fashioned arrangement where uh the what the wife is expected or or assumed to be the one who's going to do the housework and Mr. Sanderson was at work but now he's no longer at work uh and he actually quit his job for uh, for reasons which become apparent later in the story. Um but yeah there's this whole stuff where uh Mrs. Sanderson actually gets so frustrated with with her daughter being um a little bit incommunicative or socially difficult. Uh, and her husband being uh, good for nothing, lay about that she kind of freaks out and shuts herself in a room, and he's sleeping on the sofa, and then he's sleeping on the landing, and there's all this comedy and cartoon stuff going on, um, but there's also this kind of this dark underbelly. It's like a gritty kitchen sink drama, <laughs> <laughs> with the, starring starring a tiny robot. Um, so yeah, how how Jeff, how do you feel uh, about this? Do you think this this sort of slight element of seriousness or 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 real real life drama is actually what gives chibi robo something a bit more to get your teeth into than just a cartoon adventure of a little robot
3: dude. yeah absolutely because uh when mom mrs sanderson has her um either a moment of clarity or a freak out depending on how you want to look at it uh it, she there's like a discussion of divorce which you know when you first start playing the game you're just a little guy who's you know scrubbing out paw prints with your toothbrush so it seems like it yeah it was something that i remember for the first time i was playing it coming out of out of left field and also like that when mr sanderson was sleeping on the couch it appeared that they're they'd come up with an alternative arrangement so then i realized later that it's kind of like a like an andy cap situation only with uh far less drinking (laughs) and violence overall um
1: yeah. <laughs> so yeah. no no sign no signs of that no. as far as we can <laughs> see.
3: Yeah, and just everything about it is just slightly turned on its head a little bit like you mentioned the the daughter who's not communicating with people she wears this frog hat and she only speaks in ribbit that you're unable to understand for a large portion of the game. Um it I I still have a, a kind of a weird I don't know how to fully reckon with the tone of it i i think i like it and i think it's interesting mm. but at the same time it's just it's ultimately like so many things about this game it's just really bizarre in a in a fun way but you could probably argue and i you could probably convince me maybe parts of this aren't fun and that was kind of the point as well
1: yeah yeah mm. yeah susan how do you feel about this aspect of it it, it is it, is it? What makes it affecting? The fact that you're still a Chibi Robo fan ten years on? Do you think it's partly to do with the fact that this doesn't have the most obvious or straightforward tone?
0: Yeah, I think um, it makes certainly makes it more interesting. Playing it now that I'm older, and I'm like, why don't people do their share of the housework? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: why don't we all have Chibi Robo? <laughs> why
0: don't we? Why don't we all have Chibi Robos? Yeah, um, but I think. I, what really got me about the story, not so much like the family drama, like I, I kind of you, you you get the sense right from the start that they're dysfunctional because you are kind of your purchase mm-hmm. and the dad's like really excited that Chibi Robo is there and everyone's like, <laughs> what is this thing? And it's Jenny's birthday party and he blatantly bought a toy just for himself. So <laughs> for yourself, yeah. So yeah. you get that like right from the start and. It's nice that it all comes together and that you know Chibi kind of helps to pull everything together um, and just basically fixes the entire house. I really like that. But what the the darker underbelly of the story that got me was the whole energy crisis. Mm. Um,
3: yes, yeah,
0: it, which it kind of like. Got to the point where I almost felt, it's really silly because it's a game mechanic, like, you know, you need to plug in to, like, charge yourself and make yourself make, mm. and fix everything up. But you're like, this is legitimately costing them a lot of money. <laughs> Mm. You're like I'm mm. going to run my planet. exactly and the planet. Um, if you listen to the um, the newscaster on Faux news, <laughs> if he has anything to <laughs> say faux about it? Faux news,
1: how amazing <laughs> is that? The first mention of phone news. Yeah, <laughs> ten years ago, skip limited or and and whoever localized this for 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 English language uh, and hopefully other European languages as well um, and and worldwide. Uh, yeah, Faux news. Imagine that. Sorry, Susan <laughs> no, had to had to okay. highlight that.
0: Um, so yeah. Just just that, like, I always felt that that was what kind of got me. Like, you know, Chibiru is trying to do his best, but at at in the end, he is kind of a problem for the family, too. So I guess kind of the best thing that he can do is just try to just make everything better. And, yeah, that was the kind of darker underbelly of the story that, that really kind of, like, resonated with me mm-hmm. and made me feel, like, a bit kind of weird and uncomfortable in some ways.
3: Yeah, the family, it's costing the family a lot of money and most of the time, yeah. I was not doing my chores. I was like, <laughs> I was like fetching a snorkel for like a weird seer fortune teller toy, <laughs> who no one knew was alive. So yeah. it's not like they're getting their money's worth exactly. At a certain point, yeah. No, and those cleaning bonuses uh, really, yeah. uh, really stack up after
1: a while as well.
0: Like she, like she, she's going through all these bills and things. Like you know, you can see notepads scribbled with like red pen and stuff. But like you know, she at the, you get to a certain point where she's had like 240, 300 moolah for your cleaning <laughs> bonus. And you're like, where is yeah, this money coming yeah. from? <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, we should say this uh, This game shares a currency with Oddworld Stranger's Wrath uh, with Moolah um, and possibly some other games. Um, and whether one Moolah is worth $1, who knows? Uh, I guess it just means that it's easier to localise <laughs> for, <laughs> for Across the World. But yeah, by the end, um, if you keep your cleaning bonuses up, it's actually an interesting thing in that you don't have to do everything in the game to get the best ending because you can just keep cleaning and you will ultimately get enough... Uh, love and money to to become mm-hmm. Super Chibi Robo. So that's sort of an interesting decision in itself. I assumed it was going to make me do every side quest, but actually all those achieve are stickers, which are ultimately, you know, they're just for, for the satisfaction of having done them. They don't play into getting a special ending or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also uh, not only Chibi Robo is the cause of that problem, uh, financial issues, he, he was what, He caused the rift. He was expensive to buy. He uses up energy. Um, But he also like in his actions, I can't remember specific examples. I should have made more notes, but I I felt like a a number of points along the way, his actions, he acted as this kind of almost double agent go between (laughs) with both. With the toys and the family, where his actions are like he's kind of betraying the trust of various people, and like giving away like uh, emotional secrets of some characters, and um, and he'll be like grassing the dad up to the mum, and grassing the child up to the dad. <laughs> it's like he's he's a reason. Really, I think he might not be actually acute little lovable robot do
2: he uh, might be
3: evil I not... he's fairly sinister, <laughs> I
2: think he's just I just think he's yeah. programmed to be as honest as possible if someone asks him a question, he gives okay. a straight answer
1: um <laughs> the, yes or no, you can always say yes or no, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, going back to the so I was going to go back a minute to the the darker tone to the story. It wasn't so yeah, much yeah. what was happening with the family. it's when he goes down into the basement, he meets a character who doesn't say anything at the time it has got uh Geiger Robo, mm. yes. Isn't it? Um, yep. and he to me he's like he is chibi robo's future at some mm. point chibi robo mm. will be replaced by a more efficient uh more efficient robot because when you at one point in the game you go into getting a bit ahead of ourselves here but you you go back in time and you see the family with geiger robo when he's uh doing chibi robo's job and he's part of the family they love him um, but in the present day, he's just slumped in the basement without a leg, uh, <laughs> forgotten <laughs> basically. And that was the, that was a dark thing for me. I kind of thought this is all quite a you know, it's all very futile because you know I'll help save the Sandersons, but then the day I'm just going to end up in the basement with all the other crap.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but not if you complete the main quest. So the main quest. Uh, quite early on, you are alerted to the existence of uh, Geiger Robo. Who's yeah. in the basement um, by a strange noise that he makes, and as well as the various uh, the family dramas, the kitchen sink stuff, um, the the, the ultra realistic uh, <laughs> um, uh, type uh, type play type thing that's going on. You've also got uh, parallel to this. You've got this whole stuff with uh, space aliens. So uh, at some point, you find Jenny in the bedroom at night. Uh, staring at the TV which is showing a familiar uh, pattern on the screen which you may recognise from the back garden if you go out there uh, she's she kind of, she sort of tells you what to do but uh, you go outside with your with your chibi radar and that summons a UFO and then the aliens come down and you've already had some flashbacks at this point where you've seen that uh, Geiger Robo had something to do with aliens in the past and um, and and this whole this whole story plays out with uh the the aliens are looking for this guy who helped them this friend, this friend robot who's this Geiger Robo and the way that the story ultimately plays out is that uh the aliens return with a gift that they promised, which is the gift of eternal energy there's also drama going on on phone news about this energy crisis, mm-hmm. and chibi having a chibi Robo like the the idea is that the chibi Robo is a craze and what happened to the previous craze of Geiger Robo was that they were too energy hungry and and so they all ended up you know shut down. But actually, what happens is the aliens come back and give unlimited energy first to Geiger Robo, and then Jibby plugs into to Geiger and has unlimited energy forever. I'm not sure how they've covered this in the sequels. Perhaps we'll find out later. But uh, but in the um, in the in the mopping up of the end game, you have infinite battery basically. Oh, yeah, so there is true, no more there are, there there are no more energy bills there there is no future uh, thrown away although you know there's always the there's always the promise that citrusoft might come up with a with a, <laughs> a, a better a better model of of chibi robo or something like that but um yeah so i mean as well as all this oddness there is this there is this quirky story of of space aliens and it, and again something about chibi robo that i found striking was this almost you you've almost got although it all plays in they all sort of interweave you've got these kind of three strands you've got the the domestic drama you've got the alien story at the heart of of geiger robo and chibi robo and then you've got all this toy story stuff with these with this bizarre set of characters at, at night it's um it's such a weird it's such a weird <laughs> game in that res- respect
3: well the aliens are really something else in that they're not only able to do the unlimited energy thing but bringing the toys to life like that was. Cheat, Giga Robo, Robo's first wish—they gave oh, him two yeah, wishes—and right, and he wished for all the toys to have a soul, so they could yeah. presumably entertain him and do all kinds of weird stuff at night. So he wasn't lonely. Yeah, yeah. It just makes you wonder: Is Mr. Sanderson's company just not enough? Is he just too much of an oddball? Like. Yeah, this guy's well, fine. You know, <laughs>
0: you, know you, you you don't keep him entertained enough. He throws you in a basement. like um... Yeah. <laughs> Pulls <laughs> your
3: That's
1: leg true. off. He's only ever... He's just watching Drake Redcrest on the telly. <laughs> yeah, so any favourite um, characters? One of the things I loved about this game, I, we talked a lot on Kane and Rince about games that have kind of, you know, uh, gibberish or, you know, gobbledygook, burble speak. This game <laughs> has my favourite ever um, little clipped sound samples they're all perfect and they're all hilarious and i got to say that although the localization um, you know isn't perhaps the most sophisticated ever i laughed at this game both you know, in terms of what was going on and the lines that was being delivered, so yeah. many times, like proper, you know, not like uproarious rolling on the floor laughter, you know, I, I'm dying here, but lots and <laughs> lots and lots of chuckles, lots and lots of little, um, you know, snorts to myself, and particularly the Free Rangers and yeah. the, the Sergeant, the this this uh, egg platoon, uh, all named after uh, places in America. Um, who kind of dominate the the foyer of the house? Um, they start off by attacking you, which is uh, quite perturbing at first because I wasn't expecting something so aggressive to happen. But um, generally in this game, a lot of the NPCs you meet start off scary or introduced as being scary, like Dinah, the the sort of Lego dinosaur, and Mort, mm-hmm. the sad another mm. sad character, the 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 sad um, mummy. But they all turn out to be uh, nice and friendly. Plankbeard as well. Um and I, I really got into that stuff. Like I didn't necessarily follow every story.
2: The the Captain Sergeant of Three Rangers, I can't remember his name, his voice is one of the most demented I think I've come across in video games. It is <laughs> it's it's amazing. Nuts. It really is. I'd like to I'd like to understand how they actually did that. I'm assuming it's with manipulating stuff, but I'd like I like the idea of someone actually standing in a booth and re- recording that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Could you give us a little Simon? It's definitely uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but even
0: for definitely Telly, not. like it, it is for Telly, it really does feel something like standing. I go. Going...
1: <laughs> that is amazing. That <laughs> was oh, That is superb. <laughs> That was uncanny, yeah, and and that was the other thing I was going to say about some of the sound effects and the charm. Like I think all the utility bots, like the 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 sound of um, the sound of the ladders extending, is somebody is clearly somebody going, you know, and making noises into a microphone and and there's something i guess it plays into that thing on 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 our most recent podcast uh the guys were talking about um playing with toys as a kid um and you know making up your own stories and sound effects and stuff and it sort of plays into that idea that you're um, you you turn your home into a kind of big play center. I used to do it with my Star Wars mm. figures. Obviously, you know every every massive um, bookshelf was in fact you know some kind of space station and 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 all that kind of thing. I suppose it it plays into that. Any other favorite um, characters or story arcs?
3: I love Mort the, the yeah, yeah sad sack mummy. Yeah. He's uh, he's <laughs> he's got it hard for the princess who. Uh, but she unfortunately, oh, it's very tragic because he he keeps bringing her flowers, but everything he touches dies. So the flowers <laughs> just wilt in his hands. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the the princess when we first meet her, she's lost her one of her shoes because the her uh, castle was attacked by Sunshine Bear, who's kind of like a care bear person <laughs> who's got a serious <laughs> thirst for nectar, and uh, it causes yeah. him to kind of get unhinged when he's when he's jonesing for it. Um, but yeah, you retrieve the slipper by doing that uh the battery replacing puzzle platforming thing that you'd mentioned earlier mm-hmm. Leon and then yeah, you get the slipper and she's very excited and then suddenly Drake Redquest uh he Redcrest kind of swoops in and he tries to take credit by saying, you know, he was the one who brought oh. the What a jackass. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, eventually you you save the day and yeah. uh and when the story finally concludes, they you know, she you have to kind of teach her that it's okay, you know, you have to um, equip a certain costume that scares her so she's, <laughs> so she's able to actually uh, stomach the, the sight of him, because he's a pretty grotesque-looking fellow. But uh, they, they hit it off eventually when she realizes it, and they have children, which are a little disconcerting uh, in that they are simply <laughs> smaller-scale versions of the couple. Uh, so there's like a mini Mort and then a little princess- um, so there's, uh, they're, they're very strong genes, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And, and it, it really does make you think thoughts that you don't want to think about the pro- the process that went into uh, creating <laughs> those. Yeah. yeah. See, this is where Chibi Robo takes you. you. You think it's just going to be this fun,
3: cute little game. Uh And then there's all this weird. There's stuff also going that to... funky flower who's kind of like a, a disco guy <laughs> mm, and... funky Phil Yeah, <laughs> funky Phil, he's fantastic, yeah. and that takes a really tragic turn. I don't know if you guys you guys presumably played through the completion of that arc.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I
3: did not pursue that one though. <laughs> oh boy, it was,
2: well, of, it was one of the more epic: It was one of the more, one of the more epic uh, side stories, I thought. one mm. of the longer ones to do. I think I did that last.
0: mm-hmm.
1: So what fill me in what 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 happens in this tra- in this other tragic story
3: Well basically funky phil he's uh he's a, a flower who likes to get down and that the uh, lego dinosaur just thinks he is the coolest So you talk to funky phil yeah. and he does a dance and he he gets so excited that a seed pops off of him and you you plant the seed <laughs> and you water it with some of his sweat it's happened uh and then the funky sweat funkys funky sweat, which is green <laughs> It is quite funky, and then a trio of little tiny fills kind of are emerge from the pot and you plant them, and then you kind of repeat the process and you create a little oh. as little band. And then uh, one of them is kind of a weird little mutant version. Like he's not doing so well, but he's very determined. Uh, he really wants to give it his all because they're trying to do the Drake uh, Redcrest dance, like his special move. Mm. And
1: special move, yes. Jam.
3: And you finally you you teach the little guy how to do it. But tragedy strikes and Funky Phil dies. So at that point, the dinosaur <laughs> is so distraught that she. She decides, well, we're going to make a big tribute and make a concert that Funky Phil would have liked. And it, by doing so, she, she throws herself off the top of a shelf and smashes herself into a pile of bricks. That you, But she gives you a plan ahead of time, and then you give that to the father. And Mr. Sanderson constructs this like dinosaur truck that is able to <laughs> transport everybody outside for a really f- fantastic musical send-off to Funky Phil. Because that's what he would have wanted by gum.
1: Wow, like a Dixieland jazz funeral. Yeah, exactly. Kind of... And it
3: has all the characters that you've met up until then. They're all able to <laughs> go outside and, you know, all the egg rangers and uh and everyone they they check out the show. And Funky Phil is dead. Like I I was I, I couldn't remember how that one reconciled itself. From my first playthrough, because it's been a decade, and I was like, "Oh, do they bring him back? It seems like something they would do." No, nope, he's just simply dead. It's weird.
1: People don't talk about the death of Funky Phil as much <laughs> as they talk about the death of Varys, for instance. But... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but doesn't, um, but doesn't like Freaky Phil do something, and Funky Phil comes back to life, and it's it turns out that it's like his switch just turned off it wasn't that he was dead dead. well susan i think i need to go talk to that
3: guy don't i (laughs) i would like to retract that there's like
0: another bit that you're missing but i do i i remember feeling really sad and then thinking oh no it's okay he's not dead it's fine
3: (laughs) see i was so torn um, up about this that i have not returned to that room you're just so so
0: traumatized i was
3: was so traumatized that room is where bad things happen so i'm relieved (laughs) that that funky phil didn't there's always a bit more yeah yeah,
0: everybody everybody yeah, gets a happy a ending more. in this story, I think. So,
3: well, I think that oh, I, I maybe mean, okay. maybe I'll just leave Funky Phil dead because it's very very sad <laughs> in my world yeah. right now.
1: It's good to have some sand in your
0: I was thinking my favorite side story isn't really a side story. It's um so. Once a day, if you like sit on like the doorstop or if you sit on the toadstool in oh, Jenny's yeah. room and you stay there long enough, Telly comes down and tells you off for taking a break.
1: Oh, I heard but about he, this. Yeah. But then he
0: kind of goes, oh, well, see as, as you're here, hey, check it out. And then you get like a sentence of, of Telly's story and you had to go keep doing this over like a series of consecutive days. And you eventually get, like, this story where Mm. he um, wanted to be a singer and he he made himself, like, a little um, sandwich board kind of suit thing um, a little microphone and he he wrote this song called teriyaki blues and there's the running joke is that you know he'll always he's like i'm gonna sing this song to you and the music starts up at the opening bars and then out of nowhere a pan will just drop on his head and it will cut him short and he'll just fly off and say (laughs) bye-bye and um it is it is great because like that even that story kind of gets fulfilled because um eventually um if you go to like funky phil and all of his little funky fills and freaky phil um and mm. it, you know the whole little concerts and things he said like oh what song do you want to play and then you can tell them to play teriyaki blues and um telly gets his moment in the spotlight and he sings a song which wow. has full lyrics and it literally sounds like again you know that but it does sound <laughs> like somebody saying the words like a japanese person with a heavy accent saying these english words yeah. but at the same time it's brilliant you have to listen <laughs> <Wow>. to it
1: <laughs> need to look that up yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah, so there, there is no wonder the completion time is so much longer than the the basic story time because there, there are all these side quests to be done that uh, that are completely optional. But um, And yeah, while I, I kind of, I suppose I ran out of time to get it all done, I only completed the game on Saturday. It's now Monday at the time of recording. Um, there would be a good, I guess I would need another four, five hours, something like that, to kind of see all these stories through. There's also... Um, the Chibi doors, which uh, there's a counter on. On if you press the R trigger, it shows the uh, kind of overhead view of of each room. There's only how many? There's only like six overall main locations or something mm-hmm. like that but um, you can view all of them and these chibi doors have moolah in and as I say, you don't actually need to get it all but if you want to tick off everything off your I've done it list, mm. you would need to find every last one of those and I think some of those are, must be pretty well hidden because some of the locations, it, like I think there's 11 in the foyer for instance and I think I got 7 but I have no idea where the last few are, let alone how you would get to them
0: mm-hmm. You need um, your radar so <laughs>
1: yes uh, the other thing the radar does of course is um, finds another uh, a very peculiar secret kind of character and, and side quest the guy who you who is invisible until you bang the sofa or the fireplace and he pops up and he with your spoon and you have to make noise to make him appear and then I didn't yeah I didn't follow that one either I'm not really sure what the payoff is I suspect another, another sticker <laughs> uh, yeah there's some weird stuff in this game, but that does rather bring us on to the actual playing of the game. We've talked about all the uh, the stuff around it, but uh, obviously one of the things we we do discuss on Kano Rints is the the control, the feel, the the progress, the design, and um, and I suppose um, I was playing this for the first time in 2017. Uh, I was both somewhat impressed, but also sometimes a little frustrated. So overall. I would say Chibi's mostly fun to control. Um, he doesn't, It's. it hasn't got the horrors of some, say, uh, 3D platformers from 10 or 12 years before this. Uh, he stands on things. He doesn't, you, there's There's little doubt that he's going to teeter off because of a, a, a gap in a polygon or something like that. Um, but he is a little, I'd say he's a little finicky at times. Things mm-hmm. like trying to push a utilibot and, Accidentally Mm. picking up your plug over and over again, the fact that you have to push up against a ledge to hop up it instead of just hopping Mm. up straight away, um, and stuff like that. So it's uh, for for me, it's sort of mechanically, it's a mixed bag. It, It can all be justified within the context of the game, and there was nothing that actually put me off playing it. But there were times when I was thinking, I think if this was. Um, if they did an HD remaster, they might sort of smooth some of these things out. Mm. Uh, and how do you guys feel on this, Jeff? Start with you.
3: I, um, going back to it, I I would have told you with some degree of certainty that you were able to jump in the game, and it was really weird to go back to it and, and realize, oh no, there is no jumping right. at all. Like, not he's really. Basically, like no. Link, where he kind of like you walk into an object and you 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 he'll either climb up it automatically, or you might have to. Um, the a button but uh he doesn't really jump he's got a helicopter that will slow his descent and you can kind of glide yeah but even there it was like oh a i thought bit. that was gonna let like the first time i used that i was like oh here i go and it was like oh boy this does not work very well at all or it's not very powerful
1: <laughs> no you're not going far no, no.
3: not at all and yeah. um the camera too is a little strange it's kind of mm. not quite like a mario 64 c button where you're just like moving into these like preset angles but it it feels like it's kind of like a rubber band tethered to some preferred positions if that makes any sense yeah. It's, so it's a
1: bit old school um and and to they've they've done they've gone for the same kind of solution as i guess mario sunshine did which is that when chibi is obscured by something you've got a kind of shadow version
3: of oh him well. i love that too it's like a it looks like a pencil mm. sketch silhouette of mm. him yeah it's quite neat. yeah absolutely um Yeah, a few frustrating things, like there's some, like, you have to climb a tree, and for some reason, positioning that, like, the branches kind of obscured where you're going, and it's quite narrow, and Mm -hmm. I fell down many, many times, and, uh, Mm. but fortunately, most of the time I was exploring that, at that point, I I had uh, unlimited battery, which also, when you take fall damage, it comes out of your uh, battery life for some inexplicable reason, Overall, I think it controls pretty well. There are some some issues, but um, it's it's kind of a strange little game, too. Like, I wonder, like, uh, the way that you switch costumes, the way you switch weapons or tools seemed a little uh, kind of clunky at first. Mm. But I got pretty good at it Mm -hmm. by the end. I was able to to do it pretty quickly. But I wonder, like, now um, it seems like they would map things a little differently, obviously, because, you know. UI and game design has changed since then. Uh, One of the things is you get a a blaster, and there's these weird little spider robots that appear in the Mm. world. And you're... Spiders. (laughs) Spiders. And you can go into a first-person mode, and I remember by the first probably four or five encounters, I was going into first-person to shoot, and I was like, boy, this does not feel good at all, before realizing, Mm. oh, it has quite possibly the most generous... Auto aim, ever? You just auto-aim. You just basically yeah. point in one of the f- cardinal directions, and it'll be like, eh good enough. Here you go, it's dead.
1: Homing shots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that guitar riff, by the way. When the uh, when the spiders appear, yeah. that's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I think um, this is a game that would have uh, obviously, as I said, we know there was a Japanese-only Wii version, but ha- uh, how good uh, th- this could have been as a as a as an HD remake for Wii U with the gamepad, so you could just touch the little debris and bring them up on screen instead of having to hop in and out of menus all the time. Um, but you can't even do that on Switch now, so that's never going to happen. So yeah, uh, Susan, how about the the, the fundamental mechanics of, of controlling Chibi Robo in this game?
0: Yeah, very similar um, sort of feelings. Yeah, the Chibi Blaster thing just, oof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially when it came to like the. I final... forgot it had a charge function. I know, but um, especially yeah. when it came to the final boss, that was just that that was just not not a fun boss battle at all. It was just really frustrating because of that kind of. Yeah, like shooting never really felt real, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. there was nothing to kind of connect you to what you were doing. You just mash the button and hope for the best. Um,
1: Yeah, hope you don't run out of juice. Yeah,
0: the other thing that... I found, so generally speaking, the controls are fine, but it was those really kind of fine points of movement that really bothered me. Like um, there's a, a couple of the free ranges challenges that rely on you running on like banisters or like running on really mm-hmm. tiny ledges. And that was just really frustrating because there was almost no kind of real finesse to the controls um, which made passing those challenges kind of difficult. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about. It. Maybe you, were just, you guys were just better at it than I was. I
1: thought they were okay. Like, well, yeah. Um, it maybe because I, when I busted the GameCube out again and and you know reacclimatizing to to that particular controller, obviously I also busted out Super Monkey Ball, mm. and um and then that leads that reminds me of just how um, precise the GameCube analog stick could be. Um and uh, yeah, I thought because I thought things like the width of the banister would generous enough so that it wasn't too bad and also Chibi um, does a whole kind of uh, theatrical wobble when you get to the edge so I I wasn't I was having fewer issues of just uh, falling off stuff than perhaps I was fearing or anticipating so not so bad from my point of view oh
3: it's because i ran into some issues with the banister as well susan
0: uh Mm. that makes me feel better
3: (laughs) yeah because because what you're supposed to do is run to a point and then run back and across the finish Mm. line and running to the first point was not a problem but then the camera it just seems like it just gives up on the return trip and it required (laughs) a lot of just micromanaging the camera and hoping for the best there's I believe one of the buttons you can kind of reorient it a little bit, but it when I finally finished it, I it was just a tremendous sense of relief at never having to do that again ever. Even though once you mm. complete the missions, you know, he offers that the the commander says, Hey, you can replay these. And I was like, not in your life buster. <laughs> yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another peculiarity about the uh the controls is that by default they are what we now think of as inverted. So the both the the camera stick is is Quotes inverted to what is normally default these days, as is the um, the look. So if you're not an inverter, like I'm not, um, I was finding that I was doing... I was looking down when I wanted to look up, and and vice and left and right, mm-hmm. and vice versa mm. as well. So, and there's no, I don't think there's uh, there's any reconfiguration available for that stuff. So, yeah, that's a, a, a thing. But you know, one's brain can can cope, and it's not such a, a fast-paced, um, you know, twitch kind of game that you can't <laughs> you can't cope with that stuff. But uh, but yeah, just interesting peculiarities that would no longer be um tolerated I, I think they would be it would now be in a design document that you have to have the ability to switch uh, or it might even be you know firmware side uh, on on the actual hardware so yeah simon uh, controlling chibi you've gone back to it and uh, and how did you find it in these days of mm. super slick uh, video game controls
2: uh i didn't have a problem with it i mean i don't think it's a challenging game play um you know when you meet the spiders, they're not hard to deal with so um mm. it, you don't really have to you don't have to really worry about the controls being um super precise it, it's quite i found it quite a laid-back experience and so i found that the controls were fine for me the only time i had real issue was moving the utility bots about particularly in the foyer for some reason um yeah. with the ladder and it would be like you, you want to push it but you end up climbing on top of it or picking up your plug
3: and mm-hmm. yeah, when
2: you, when I was trying to sort of chalk off collecting things, it kind of slowed me down. I found that quite frustrating. And yeah, the some of the free rangers missions, it wasn't the one where you were running up the banister; it was the one with the target practice, where mm. you had to scale mm. up to the um, plants that are hanging, sort of up at the, uh, oh, the second man. second level. <laughs> uh, and that took me quite a few times. I just yeah. couldn't get it, and but the the depth perception threw me off a little bit, and. Um, Mm. I wasn't quite sure sometimes where I was supposed to be jumping, and that was a bit fiddly, but um, they were just minor points. Other than that, you know, usually when I play games, I'm kind of hunched forward, you know, um, but quite tensed up. But this, I I was, um, uh, I worked from home, so I had the luxury of being able to play games on my lunch break. So I was kind of like spinning around to the CRT behind me and just sort of like laying back, playing it. It was a really nice, relaxing experience actually (laughs) playing it, and the control scheme didn't Mm. get in in the way at all. um, I didn't it didn't feel like some, I, I, I go back to old games quite a lot and sometimes you think how the hell did I get through this the first time round?" this feels so funky and cumbersome whereas this didn't bother me at all I thought it felt really nice and um, I've grown to really love the game GameCube controller anyway over over the years I didn't like it at first yeah. and but nice right. nice nice little controller in hindsight hmm
1: the C-stick's a bit weird, uh, still like a bit nipply, but <laughs> other than that, yeah. I, I, I think it's a fine controller. And D-pad's a little small, but that analogue stick, yeah, is, is, uh, is, a, is a class uh, thing. So also pertaining to uh, the mechanics of, of control and locomotion, um, this game, I suppose, in the old money is an arcade adventure, or you might call it in modern parlance, a Metroidvania, in that it is a game where you explore a large uh, environment, in this case in 3D rather than 2D, and collecting certain upgrades and items allows you to access areas that you may have seen previously or items that you have, uh, have been tempting you from a high shelf that you couldn't get to and that sort of thing. Um, and one of the, I think, as, as much as anything, as well as the the amusing characters and script, and uh, and the the setup for the game of, of being this little robot dude, I think um, I I got a, a large amount of pleasure of actually just kind of working out the environment and puzzling mm. my way through this mm. this old school arcade adventure in that in that sense of. Uh, find you know find item how to get to item. I think it's a little obscure by 2017 standards in places. I think sometimes it's it's not really telling you um, information that would now be offered up, and I think that has both pros and cons. Uh, this has. We talk a lot on Kane and Rince about the Golden Arrow, and this game definitely doesn't have that. Um, it sometimes you walk into a room and you think you haven't done anything or nothing's changed, but then a cutscene will play, and that can be quite interesting, but then uh, and satisfying. But then at other times, I found like. I did have to look up a walkthrough a couple of times to say, you know, where do I go now? Who do I talk to next? Because it is a case of going up to a character who has moved or is now, you know, somewhere else. And you have to just press the button next to them to see what they're going to do next. And so I found it a bit inconsistent. And I guess the first sign of this and it wasn't overall, it wasn't as bad as I was worrying. Uh, it might be. But at first, one of the first things you do is learn to pick up uh, bits of rubbish, you know, sweet wrappers and, and soda cans and all that kind of thing and you're supposed to put them in the bin for cleaning points and, and moolah and the first time I did it I climbed up this little set of drawers and walked along to the top of the bin and tried to put the stuff in the bin and it said you can't put stuff in the bin from there. It's like, but I'm right next to the top of the bin, uh, and it turns out that you have to be at the bottom front of the bin to throw stuff in the bin. So little illogicalities like that um, kind of mark it out as a game that I guess is is of its time and of a smaller, uh, less experienced developer in some ways. But but overall, um, I found it a yeah a satisfying. And, um, yeah, engaging kind of quest. Uh, how about you guys, Simon?
2: Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, uh, Leon. Um, <clears throat> when I started the game, I was using the first person view to scan around. And it gives you, it tells you um, points of interest within the room, you know, things you've got to collect, particularly like the frog rings and things yeah. like that. Uh, and at first, you don't know what they are, what they relate to. And um, I found it quite rewarding and satisfying Getting them and then working out what they do. Like I remember the first time I found a, a frog ring, uh, and fed mm. it to Jenny, and I was like, oh wow, right, okay. Um,
1: you fed it to
2: her. <laughs> Did you
0: feed it to her? <laughs> you just give it to her. I gave it to her. Yeah, sorry.
1: I don't know where that came from. Force-fed Jenny with a frog ring. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, I lost my chain of thought now. Yeah, well, when, um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I fed Jenny a frog ring, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and, and you know, it was things like that. You, you become sort of obsessed with finding the rest of them, um and finding the little the things that are out of the way. At first, it was, it was quite frustrating as well because I think at first you don't realise that you're going to get the bridges mm. and the ladders straight away. Um, yeah. yeah, it was nice, and I can see why people. It was like it's kind of I know people don't like using the, the phrase Metroidvania or whatever, but it's kind of like a, a lighter a lighter version of that. Um, yeah, and it. it it's really rewarding and um, it's quite empowering as well by the end, where you're just kind of like cutting about with your li- uh, limitless battery, uh, being able to access yes. absolutely every, sing- every single area. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting stuff hidden away in it as well. I mean, I didn't even realize the, um, the drain was there till uh, quite near yeah, the end. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was really good.
1: Yes, the drain, which uh, which seems to be fairly purposeless, other than a bit of cash. Uh, but then there's a there's a, the, you need to retrieve something from there later on. It also makes reminds me. Uh, we sort of mentioned the uh, the wedding anniversary. Uh, congratulations to the Sandersons on their fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary <laughs> coming up uh, this summer in June. Ah! <laughs> uh, well, I hope yeah. you are still together. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't seem that likely. They might, they might they not even be still alive, but now we're getting back down really dark, sad territory. So, uh, Susan, how about the, the, the actual uh, puzzling through the game and, and the arcade adventure? I keep using that phrase because I'm trying to bring it back into, uh, into the lexicon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I found exploring was kind of a lot of the fun of it, especially it, it was yeah. really exciting when you got to a new area. In particular so you know mm. um so you you just basically rinse the living room and <laughs> all avenues there and then suddenly yeah suddenly there's the foyer and then suddenly you can go up the stairs and then mm. there's
1: daunting as well yeah
0: really daunting um especially um mm. um especially when with the bedroom with the parents bedroom like when she shuts the door and you have to you yeah. have to do a lot of work to kind of like set things up so that you can navigate to it in to get inside and things like that. Mm. But that whole um, thing with your battery and having to be very careful about like what you can and can't do and if you yeah. if you mess up certain jumps, um, and so if you try and copter them to places and you've missed the place where you need to copter or you haven't coptered from a high enough point and you're like, Oh, I have to start all over again um but yeah. but that kind of like planning out and mapping and where where to go like i i thought that was like really fun and there always seemed to be something more to do and there were always surprises um especially like in the bedroom where the um the, you know there's like a whole row of chibi doors like right up by the ceiling yes and you're like how the hell do i get wow, up there yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah but that that was what i found like really enjoyable just half of the joy was really in the exploration
1: yeah, it was quite a mission to get to those those Chibi doors. I did that towards the the back end of the game to to get the. Uh, you, you need to save up ten thousand moolah basically if you haven't got it at that point, to uh, feed the Geiger Robo's battery because you don't. Basically, it's it's too expensive to ask the uh, the Sanderson's to do it. So uh, and Television and Chibi decide. Uh, that they are they are going to foot the bill for the uh, <laughs> to to reactivate Geiger Robo, who then gets his free battery immediately afterwards anyway. Which is uh, ah, there you go, easy come, easy go when it comes to money in this game. We should say one of the early things that you buy, and th- this is quite a, an unusual feature in itself. Um, whereas in Majora's Mask, uh, you learn to uh, to. Play the song of time um, at different speeds and and in reverse to to slow it down. In this game, you basically you go the first time you go to the shop in your little chibi place, uh, you can buy extended time for the day. So you you start off with a five minute day, but you can very quickly afford mm. to turn it up to a ten or, or fifteen minute day, um, which for me really alleviated the that Majora's Mask style sort of time pressure. Jeff, how about you uh, exploring, puzzling and adventuring in the world of Chibi Robo? Did it uh, did it tick all the boxes for you?
3: Absolutely. I think you you hit on one of the things that I really liked about the game is being able to extend the the time limit because that was, in addition to the battery, that's one of your, your limiting uh, mechanics there is just, you know, oh, I got to talk to this guy and I don't have enough time to get there or do I? And the days are split and there's a in half. There's a daytime and a nighttime. Uh char- characters yep. will be in different places, uh or they may not be active at all. So trying to determine um when to kind of maximize your routes and everything is a big part of it. And I found that the the initial surprises of like Susan was saying about you go into a room and it's it's you're almost overwhelmed by how much new stuff there is to see and new collectibles. You know, you can you can almost guarantee there's going to be a new frog ring to to feed to jenny and you know <laughs> to <laughs> your, your insatiable appetite for frog rings and that kind of thing but uh i i found that it, it, it's difficult because i don't i don't like to be coddled as a player necessarily but at the same time um mm. just a little bit more direction i think it would have, would have helped just because um for instance, you might be an idiot, or maybe we'll just say the game was designed in such a way that you might not know that, that Funky Phil lived to tell about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's no clue yeah, because you, you get like a, like for ex- this specific example, there's a big satisfying conclusion of a send off, and there's no indicator yeah. that you need to go speak to another character to move things along. You don't have. Uh, any kind of waypoints on your map? There's not a list showing, you know, whatever tasks you have in various states of completion nah. at a time. It's all basically you need to find a person or character and interact with them when they are good and ready to be interacted with, which is easy enough to do when you're first starting the game. But uh, especially, I found trying to complete some of the the missions, and obviously, I still mm-hmm. have a couple more to wrap up. It it becomes kind of frustrating to be like. Um, Like, for instance, the um, the funky Phil send off to construct the Dinah, you know, Dinah, the dinosaur, her final truckasaurus form. You have to find a number of (laughs) hidden blocks, one of which is sold by (sighs) one of them is sold by this flower character who, for whatever reason, was not showing up in the like he would not come he would not appear where I thought he was supposed to appear. And I consulted a walkthrough. And then eventually he did appear. So, I mean, but meanwhile, you're if if you're looking for something specific to do, unless you unfortunately look at a walkthrough or are just absolutely meticulous about talking to every person and visiting every nook and cranny in both day and night. It's very easy to feel kind of like you're just aimlessly wandering around and cleaning the Sanderson's house, which presumably is why they bought you in the first place. But, you know, you've got (laughs) you've got your own internal life you need to take care of as well as a chibi robo. I just. Realized the Sandersons don't have a bathroom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> living in the future, folks. <laughs> maybe we have bathrooms. Oh right,
3: <laughs> I don't well, know, there's, maybe. A, there's yeah. a door in the foyer that is closed all the time. If I remember, so oh, that may okay. be it. It may be just full of. I oh, mean, these okay. are people that are leaving piles of soda cans underneath their bed. So maybe that's a yeah. level of squalor we're just not prepared to see.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was really concerned that's by the true. amount of um, sweet wrappers and. Uh, fizzy drink cans that uh, mm. Jenny had under her bed oh, Yes, I think that was yeah. cool, cool to social service
1: and when they <laughs> and when they do have some actual food it's burgers uh, it's just it's just very, it's very just burnt, burgers in burnt, a bun
2: very burnt burgers in my uh,
0: ear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah burnt burgers i did notice that um i was thinking i was i was getting a whole overcooked vibe um from this uh, mini game where you cook burgers uh, uh, but i was disappointed to notice that when they're eating them in the in the subsequent cut scene, that there some some lettuce has magically appeared in in the bun i i wish i'd got to do the whole uh, the whole garnish of, of the burger as well with some mayo and ketchup and all that kind of thing um yeah there's there's so many odd Odd little things about this, and now as we're talking about it, as always when we do these podcasts, there's little oddments um, coming back to mind, and, and strange moments of, of things like, um, like the conversation you have. Uh, you, the, the thing that made me think there's no bathroom is because you you find. Uh, the dad's toothbrush quite early on, and it's a, it's a Drake Redcrest branded toothbrush, of course. Um, and one of the conversations you have with him, if you just kind of talk to him from periodically, is, "I guess I won't be using that toothbrush again." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't think you will." Um, like I've been up in the I've been up in the uh, the 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 uh, extractor fan above the the hob and uh, used it for cleaning grease. Um, so yeah, you, you won't be using uh, you won't be using that again. Um, and I guess knowing. Knowing that it's a Japanese game, maybe well,
0: serve you right for leaving your toothbrush in the living room. Yeah,
1: then. totally. Yeah, and 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 yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and maybe maybe the um, the cleaning of the bathroom was something that the developers at Skip didn't think mm-hmm. was w- was going to fly. It may not have been considered a- appropriate. Also, Japanese toilets, as we know, are incredibly sophisticated and kind of do do everything themselves. So, uh, uh, but I would have liked to clean the bath uh, the bathroom out. We could have had a whole Ant Man scene kind of. Uh, running away from rushing water or something like that it would have been quite cool
3: it is interesting that chibi robo has to rely on his own wits to find the basic materials and tools with which to do his job <laughs> yeah like it'd be like buying a job yeah, yeah. like you buy a roomba and it does not have the apparatus to vacuum your room it's like poor little guy i mean if he didn't find that toothbrush what would he have done all day
1: yeah that's true I would like a phone <laughs> that charge that knows to when to charge itself, though when to plug itself into the wall. <laughs> um, one of the things we did talk about uh, when we covered uh, the Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask, and I think this is something that comes up time and time again when talking about that game. Um, and I think I, I think it's it's okay to bring it up here because it's the same stable ultimately. But this is another game that does have uh, effectively two kind of limiting. Uh, features you've got a a battery which uh, is effectively your life bar but unlike say, Link's hearts, it just ticks down of its own accord. Even when you're just, even if you're just stationary, static, it's ticking down like a slowly, like an electric meter. But every time you do anything, it's ticking down. And then, as Jeff mentioned, you've got the whole day-night cycle. And if you haven't finished a certain thing by the time that ends, you'll be waiting around. There is a costume you can get later on to end the particular cycle. Um, and that's that That kind of adds to the whole end game being much, much less uh, prohibitive thing. But did anyone have that thing that you often hear with Majora's Mask? Uh, and certainly I experienced to an extent as much as I love that game, which is the actual, the fact that the fun of the game was slightly um, marred by the anxiety of these two limiting factors. Uh,
2: not, no, not at all. I thought that right. improved the experience. I think if I had no nothing sort of geeing me up and making me go quicker it probably would have got a bit dull um, okay you yeah can, i mean other than other than um you know progressing the storyline for the main story and in the side stories it, it would just be cleaning and um you know exploration which you can do to, to a point once you've discovered everything and I thought it was um, quite exciting having like a sort this kind of light re- resource management aspect to it, and also the, the night and day cycle. I, th- I thought it was um, I thought it was better for having those components.
3: Mm. Jeff, Susan, any thoughts? I think I tend to agree, particularly with the battery, because you get uh, uh, s- while you are acquiring happy points, which is another one of the game's two currencies, in addition to moolah, you get yeah. that by basically pleasing mm-hmm. people and helping out. And uh, um, I don't know why Where people have this in their inventory or whatever. But you get those and uh, your goal is to get to the top of the Citrus Soft charts for all of the Chibi Robos. Yes. You want to get to the number one position. And as you kind of hit various uh, milestones, you're awarded with uh, extended battery life. So it was kind of a mm. nice incentive yeah. to... Continue on to to go out of your way to clean up uh, whatever garbage was on the ground or to be helpful and put up with Drake's ridiculousness just because you knew (laughs) that, you know, you pleased him. You would get some happy points, which in turn would kind of help you shoot up the top of the chart. So I kind of like that constant. uh, It was a nice like uh, I believe the, the person who wrote the forum post said there's a nice steady drip of upgrades, which keeps things interesting. Hmm. Susan?
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I just I just echo all of those things. Um I do feel that if you were to just play constantly and not have those um gaps that it, it does get quite it would get quite dull. It'd kind of just turn into Animal Crossing in a way. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, no, so I so I I just I just really enjoyed it and you know, found it surprisingly surprisingly fulfilling. You know, you feel Mm. like you've done a good job at the end of the day, you know, and you've accomplished everything that you that you needed and um, wanted to do. Um, Yeah, the only frustrating aspect is is that kind of just characters moving around, depending on where you are in the story and that changing where they are during the daytime or at nighttime. And uh, yeah, all of those things just made it a little bit kind of like hard to navigate. But apart from that, perfectly happy with it.
1: Mm. There's possibly a thesis to be written on why uh, the same mechanics in one game cause... Uh, anxiety and put people <laughs> off and yet in another mm. game they actually motivate the player. Um, I'm sure Nintendo have done their own internal studies on that kind <laughs> of thing um, and obviously as we discussed on the Majora's Mask podcast they made a lot of changes to the 3DS version to to soften the blow. It would be interesting if they, if they ever would revisit Chibi-Robo in this form, to, whether they would uh, maintain it exactly as it was or whether they would tweak it. Um, yeah, and one thing I, I sort of mentioned it earlier, but I was quite pleased that um, although all the side quests were there to be done, and you can win this full page of uh, stickers and your full complement of costumes, you still uh, can uh, at the end of the game. You become you. You will have enough happy points to become Super Chibi Robo. You get your little medal, and you get extra shiny, and you get infinite battery. So you get to yeah continue the. The side quests and stuff in in the post game with uh, with all that lovely uh, bling going on, which is great. <laughs> I found talk of but one Easter egg, and that is uh, you remember the Nintendo GameCube microphone that was for used for Mario Party and uh, Odama was it the peculiar uh, uh, shouty pinball game type <laughs> chinko type thing. <laughs> Uh I don't know if anyone played that I I have seen it in action it's it's a curio. Uh if you plug it in while playing Chibi Robo and talk into it Chibi Robo will look at the screen which is a, which is clearly adorable. Uh if you talk loud enough it'll fall over. So there's that. <laughs> now Chibi Roundup that's what I'm calling this section. I have never played any other Chibi Robo games, but there are four. I know Susan has pursued these. Her, uh, I'll ask you, uh, Jeff and Simon, have you played any of the, the sequels follow-up successes? I have. Good. Si?
2: I've, play- I've played um, Park Patrol on PS, but I haven't played any of the others. Okay.
1: Make it bloom, little robo. Let's start with that one. Chibi Robo Park Patrol. Uh, came out on the DS, as you say, 2007. So is this a a full-blown sequel? Is it worth Chibi-Robo fans checking out?
0: Um, I think so, yeah. It doesn't have quite the same sort of atmosphere as, like, the house, but it has us very... Mm -hmm. um, So in Park Patrol, you are just a Chibi-Robo looking after a park, And there are certain things you can do, like you can make flowers bloom. There's a lot of work to be done in that kind of area, just tidying things up and fixing things up, making the park nicer. But it has this kind of like um, very environmental feel to it, like kind of similar Mm -hmm. to like um, Super Mario Sunshine. You know, you're cleaning things up and you're trying to stop pollution, that sort of thing. It's it's that kind of feel in Park Patrol. Um, I thought that it was like a worthy successor um not 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 as big and as grand and not as full a sequel as you probably would have liked but it does enough i think to scratch that kind of itch because you have the you have the setting that you take and improve um and you also have like a town area that has like different other toys i guess um or characters that you can speak to and interact with and Make their lives better as well, so it's kind of Chibi Robo light, and it, it suited the DS, I thought. But um, mm. but yeah, <laughs> um, I hold out dreams for a full, full proper Chibi Robo sequel in translated into English.
1: <laughs> yeah, hmm. memories of Park Patrol, Simon. Um,
2: yeah, I I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, it didn't wasn't quite as magical as the first game, I think you know the first game was kind of quite a unique experience uh and it was really good to have another fix of chibi robo but i definitely remember when i finished it i kind of thought yeah i really wish i could play another big i wouldn't say proper chibi robo but uh, like a a, a true sequel to the original game um yeah, yeah maybe we'll get one on the on the switch who knows
1: Ooh. This was only, uh, yeah, like a year, a couple of years after the original. And I should say uh, it was never released in Europe. It came out in Japan, North America and Australia, uh, but not in the EU at all. Uh, Jeff, did you play this Yeah, the,
3: the weird thing about that is in the United States, it was only available uh, through Walmart. They had an exclusive deal huh. uh, for distribution there. Um, and I, I remember I had to break up. Self-imposed ban on going to Walmart to to pick it up, right? Uh, and it was one of the yeah, principles out the window when video <laughs> I mean, games. Absolutely, the- Chibi yeah. Robo is a tiebreaker, I suppose. Yeah. Uh But I, I had similar uh, thoughts on it overall, as as uh, as you guys did too. It was just kind of like mm-hmm. it's nice to see Chibi Robo back, the character, but I kind of missed the self enclosed uh, house drama. Uh, aspect of it because I think that's what made the game so interesting but I I suppose it it was interesting just to see what uh, Nintendo thought was the appeal of the character and clearly (gasps) they thought hey people like to clean stuff up which is fine there's certainly an (laughs) element of it but that's certainly not why I like the first game so much
1: yeah yeah so uh, a second sequel came along uh, and this is uh, forgive my pronunciation, but something along the lines of Okeri Chibi Robo Happy Richie Osoji, which means uh, basically, welcome home, little robo, happy, rich, big, Sweep." Um, it is not cheap. Uh, I, I was looking up prices, and uh, to actually buy the cartridge, uh, you again, you're looking at um, not not quite Chibi Robo one levels, but but you're you're looking at money, I guess. Again, just because it wasn't produced in many numbers, I think this only came out in Japan, didn't come out anywhere else. Um, however, uh, a fan translation exists, uh, so you can play it in the English language because there was enough demand among the the community. Uh, you would obviously you would play it. Um, via emulation, you could buy a cartridge if you were feeling particularly honorable um, as regards to that. Uh, so this was two thousand and nine, so another two years on, I understand it that this was probably one of the best reviewed games in the series and and the one that is considered to be the most kind of fully fleshed out sequel to the original. So has anyone engaged with this Japan only release? I have not.
0: No, but I know what I'm doing after this podcast is finished. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Right. Well, let us know how you get on. I'd love to hear about it. Uh, So next came for for most people um, outside of Japan, Chibi-Robo Photo Finder, which is, uh, I assume, a gimmicky little doobry relating to the character, but without actually having anything much to do with the original game. So this was 2013 and 2014 on the eShop for 3DS. Uh, is, Is it sort of augmented reality type thing going on?
0: Um, Yeah, and personally, I found this quite clumsy, Um, just like on a a very kind of, um, so um, one of the things I ran into problem is that it felt kind of very um, localized, uh, as in, as it felt very Japanese, um, even down to the kind of the shapes that you had to take pictures of. Um, so the the idea is that mm-hmm. you, you kind of find objects. You have a silhouette, and you're supposed to find an object that has a similar silhouette and take a photo of it. But I'm like in the real in world? in the real world, yeah. But I'm like yeah. The, um, so for example, I had like a, a juice carton, but it was a very specific kind of juice carton. I'm like, they don't make those okay. kind of juice cartons in the UK. I can't physically <laughs> find this object mm. and take a pof- take a photo of it
1: can you fool it with cut out bits of paper and that kind of thing
0: um i found the camera quite finicky because i tried to do you know like googling <laughs> googling a carton of that, oh, of of course, that type yeah. um, um and do that but the the camera just wasn't having it for me i don't know if anybody else had any better luck with it but that, i found that whole experience like quite off putting so i didn't really delve into the game any deeper than that because it just felt like a real disappointment like it, it felt like again like It's not a true Chibi Robo sequel. And what I really want is a true Chibi Robo sequel and not these tiny little kind of things that happen to have Chibi Robo in them.
3: Yeah. Did anyone else have fun with Photo Finder? I think you'll find that being a Chibi Robo fan is setting yourself up for a lifetime of heartbreak. Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds rather like it.
2: Yeah, I skipped this one as well. I'm I'm just—I'm putting my hopes on a proper,
3: proper, proper (laughs) sequel at some point.
1: And another pun there. Nice work, Simon, Uh, with the skip thing. So the most recent Chibi Robo release, other than the Amiibo, here he is, uh, is Chibi Robo Zip Lash. For again, for the 3DS. This is a couple of years ago now. Uh, Oh, not quite a year and a half ago. October, November, 2015. Um, and it's a kind of, uh, I think it's a side-on 2D uh, platformer-ish uh, adventure where you chuck your plug at stuff. Um, <laughs> and it was reviewed moderately, as I recall, but I haven't played it. Uh, have any of you in, in the pursuit of Chibi-Robo happiness? I
3: have. I, I played it for work, and it, okay. it is an adequate side-scrolling platformering game that you could you could replace chibi with a an iguana or a, a person with a guitar or any number of things and it would not have mattered they don't take advantage of the fact that chibi is a small little guy very often which i think that's one of the big no I mean, again i've outed myself i'm a really weird person for for this thing I, but they don't, they don't take advantage of that setup as much as they should have in my mm-hmm. opinion um and it's fine, but it doesn't. It didn't feel like a Chibi Robo game necessarily. Mm. It was just like mm. something that just incidentally they had kicking around, and thought, "Hey, we'll just throw this little guy on there."
1: Did it have any of the like audio motifs from earlier games or anything like that to cement it in the Chibi Robo world? If I
3: recall, uh, some, but it wasn't like a, a as prominent as it was in in proper Chibi Robo. Okay, mm. is your review out there, Game Informer? It is. Yeah, it is the definition of a seven, where it's like, this is a good game, but not not great. You know, it's just kind of a... The easiest ones to write, yeah? yeah. Seven out of <laughs> yeah, ten. seven out of ten. I think it just it begins with a uh, eulogy for Chibi-Robo. So it's kind of <laughs> sets the tone, poor little guy. Game Informer, check it out. Uh,
1: okay, we just had a couple of three-word reviews uh, for Chibi-Robo. Follow us on Twitter, at CaneandRince.com. P Tier says best musical toothbrush, and John Lloyd <laughs> simply says, "I love him," so uh, can't say fairer than that. So uh, now we need to summarise. I am going to go first uh, because I am the person who is here to present the the Cana podcast on Chibi Robo, and I played this game for the show. It was on my it was on my you know my my pile of shame, my my backlog, my my uh, bucket list, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's always been in my mind that I wanted to play through Chibi Robo as a Nintendo published game from an era of games that uh, I enjoy. Not that there isn't an era of games that I don't enjoy. Uh, So it was, as ever, uh, a pleasure for me to finally get or have the opportunity to play it. Um, There's always the chance that you're not going to enjoy these things. But I enjoyed Chibi Robo very much. Uh, perhaps more than I was expecting. I was expecting uh, a fairly straightforward, uh, cute little adventure. And I got something that was actually a little bit off off kilter in some ways, a little bit offbeat, a little bit sad, a little bit weird. And a game that probably made me chuckle more times than many things I can remember in recent years. Uh, the actual, the progress through the game was in some ways a little bit mechanically of its time of 10 years ago plus uh, with a few little quirks and foibles regarding cameras and platforming and things like that. But nothing that didn't, you know, kind of pale into irrelevance when faced with the actual fun of navigating this world and interacting with its Frankly bizarre and sometimes hilarious characters. So, while I wouldn't necessarily recommend that people rush out and spend two hundred and thirty quid on a factory sealed copy, <laughs> uh, if you do have it in your uh, in your library of games to play, or you have a friend like I did that had a copy to borrow, uh, I would absolutely recommend adding it to your list of Nintendo adventures that you have played. Simon Cole, what do you say about Chibi Robo?
2: Looking at the the price um people going have to pay to play it, it's hard to it's hard to to recommend, you know, for everyone to go out and try uh, try it. But I'd say if you've got any sort of love for the quirkier end of video games, uh and like you enjoy warm, funny, very memorable characters, then I'd say yeah, you should definitely try and and find it and you know fingers crossed it will appear maybe on virtual console on the switch at some point Um, because it it is a really really charming game Um, and there aren't many other games out there I think that um, offer you this type of experience I mean mechanically it's fairly I think it's fairly basic Um, but the thing that pushes you through the game the thing that uh, encourages you to get to the the end, the thing that encourages you to, to um try and complete as much as possible is the fact that the game is permeated by a vast array of really, really, really memorable characters that stay with you. I mean, yeah, I replayed it recently, but um I still think about a lot of the characters in the game um over over the past was it ten years because um they're just brilliant. Um so yeah, I'd i I'd say if you if you've got a, if you've got money to burn and access to a, a, a Wii or a GameCube definitely go out and buy it but um, if not everyone cross their fingers for it to appear on a virtual console on a Nintendo console at some point
1: that's a very good point we have been there have been strong hints that GameCube games will be coming to Switch on virtual console and yeah, this would seem like a this seem like a fit. So those of you who have kept a factory sealed copy, expect the uh, expect the value to plummet when that <laughs> happens somewhat, although probably not that much for a sealed copy. Uh, anyway, Susan Marmito, uh, sum up your Chibi Robo feelings for us.
0: Um, it's a it's a quirky title. It's colourful. It's I don't think you're... There are many games where you will get um, a sense of pleasure of cleaning a house with a toothbrush. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and it kind of starts off like a, a lifelong relationship and appreciation for this very, very cute character, probably one of the cutest that um, I've ever seen. Um, and, yeah, with I I feel sad that it hasn't, that it's, still this very cult classic that that not a lot of people got to play it, that um Nintendo seemed to drop these hints of something happening and then they released things like Photo Finder.
3: <laughs>
0: mm. um, so fingers crossed for a true Chibi Raver sequel, just because I think it is it's such a shame that this game has like really flown under the radar. Or for like a lot of people, I think for what it is, and for the kind of experience that it gives you, something quite unique. I think it deserves um, a lot more attention and love than it than it generally has.
1: No, oh. well, hopefully this show will at least go.
0: Yeah. some way towards uh,
1: <laughs> rectifying things. Now Jeff, uh this show basically happened because you wanted it to. So uh, shucks. no pressure but the spotlights on you. <laughs> Sum up why everyone should care about you. Uh,
3: again, the the fact that it is difficult to acquire is is such a tremendous bummer because it's I think it is something that unlike a lot of games like like Simon and you've mentioned like there's games that you feel like are kind of like homework games where it's like well you probably should have played this or um it doesn't necessarily hold up. But I think that the Chibi Robo holds up and mechanically it has some issues, but I think that it, it works the vast amount of time. And I think that it's it's just a very sweet game, which I don't think I think it's easy to, to look at the weirdness and uh kind of the, the darkness and the silliness, but overall, we joked about Chibi Robo being maybe a bit of an instigator himself. But <laughs> ultimately, he's he's just so incredibly helpful, and he's making everyone feel good. And there aren't enough games that are like that. Like I just, while I was playing it, I was, I just, it just makes me like incredibly happy to do it because I'm like, I feel like I'm contributing mm-hmm. to a, a bigger goal of helping this this ruined family like mend itself at, at least in some form, or I'm helping a terrible mummy creature fall in love with the princess so they can have children of questionable nature. Um, It's just, it's just a very endearing game. Uh, And it's very fun. And it's also also very relaxing as well. Like Simon was saying, you know, leaning Mm. back in his chair and just kind of playing it that way. Like the act of cleaning is it's, it's just pushing a button, but it is very satisfying to watch a, giant footprint melt away under your toothbrush (laughs) as you're cleaning it up or, you know, seeing something off in the distance and saying, oh, I could pick that up and throw that away, you know, and I'll get I'll make someone happier for it. So it's an experience that there's really nothing close to it, which I think makes it a bummer because you can't recommend, well, you know, it is expensive. But, you know, in the meantime, this is good enough because I don't feel that the character went in a direction where. Uh, with the exception of that Japan-only game, which I'm going to have to track down now also, um, mm. uh, it doesn't feel like there's anything that is even a close approximation to it. It's so unique and different that um, Nintendo clearly has feelings for the character as well. Producing an amiibo isn't cheap, so hopefully mm. they'll, they're, they're looking at the long term for this character and will realize, oh yeah, by the way, we've been doing it wrong all this time. Let's just make a proper sequel to it. <laughs> we'll see.
1: Well... We have one member of the kane and Rince team who is uh, is our, uh, our agent who works for Nintendo of America. That's Ryan. So perhaps, you know, we could slip this podcast to him and he could just uh, <laughs> he could he could send it down the right channels. I'm
3: sure they have a I'm sure they have a warehouse full of unused or unsold Chibi Robo Amiibos that they could repackage. For the Switch oh. version,
1: it's heartbreaking. Sorry. Maybe they only made him in small quantities as well. Maybe, maybe I've got a collector's item here on my desk. You never know. Uh, <laughs> maybe he'll appear in Smash on the Switch as a selectable character. I mean, oh, come on now!
0: Can you imagine? You just yeah. you would like just whip things with your plug. Um, tell, yeah. you down, <laughs> tell you to come down. Electrocute them. Tell you to come down a special attack. Oh, that you use so your
3: cool. Chibi Blaster. Um, would home in from anywhere. Smash.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final <laughs> smash would be Geiger Robo coming on the screen, stomping about <laughs> the place. Ah, it itself. Uh, you, could,
0: you could just, I you know. could just like um, scrub the toothbrush on people's faces. And <laughs>
3: <laughs> he could even be, We've he done could it. be an assist yeah. trophy where he just shows up in his trauma suit and collapses on the ground and damages everyone. <laughs> I'd be happy with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Someone calls Sora. Uh yeah. So yeah, it's been tremendous fun. Thank you to my uh panel of all guest stars. Uh I would like to offer you the opportunity to uh plug yourselves or anything you're doing. Start with Simon.
2: If you don't um follow Paul Box Art on Twitter, please do. Um it's I think I've said this before and I've been on it's just a a celebration of good quality box art. No negativity, none of the snidiness that you get. Um around video games, unfortunately, a lot of the time. That's why we
1: love it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so, yeah, please follow that.
1: How many followers you got now? It's been, it's gone pretty massive.
2: Yeah, it's quite a lot. It's, um, I haven't checked for a while. Um, it's well over, well over 10,000. It? Wow. It's pretty
1: deep. Well over what we've got. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty decent
2: for a Twitter account, which was only really made for for me to post the Final Fantasy VI box art on Twitter. It was just, that was some, my only reason for, for creating it. The, the well, Japanese uh, yeah, box it's, art, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's well loved and deservedly so. And we often uh, we we uh, re promote our older podcasts off the back of it, which seems to make perfect sense, and uh, it's more beneficial to us than it is to you. But you know, well, what the hell? Uh, cheers, Simon, uh, Susan.
0: Um, I look after a site called ReadyUp, so you can check us up, check us out at ready-up.net. We are a team of very cool, very enthusiastic people. We love playing games, so come join us. We live stream, we write loads of random stuff. We also do a podcast, so yeah, just check us out. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter um, at ReadyUp. Thanks, Susan. <laughs>
1: Superb. Jeff. you work for a site... Uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, but if if you want to
3: plug anything other than Game Informer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> feel free. Yeah. Uh, my friend, Ben, who works at uh, Game Informer and I, we've had a couple of podcasts. We have one called Twilight Highlight Zone, which you can listen to on iTunes. And we went through every episode of the Twilight Zone, the original series and encapsulated and oh, wow. our opinions on them. And I think it's pretty fun. And we have another one uh, called a fire inside out where the two of us go through every album from the band afi which at the beginning of the recording i'd never heard of and ben himself was a lifelong fan so uh, we go through every album there and eventually yeah, i ended up seeing them live and everything so they're very little to do with video games but i think they're okay so there you go that's
1: all right yeah i i'm a, I'm a twilight zone fan not to that degree but uh i will check that one out afi i remember from rock band i think or guitar hero one of those yeah exactly um, yeah, yeah cool stuff. Well, thank you again. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank Jeff, Simon, and Susan, as well as our correspondent, plural just about, (laughs) for Chibi Robo, editor Jay, and of course all of you for listening, and to tell you that next time, in issue 261, it's the last show of our year and a half-long look at a certain Nintendo franchise, The Legend of Zelda, is Triforce of the Gods 2, aka A Link Between Worlds. I'm gonna keep it up, 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 keep it up,
0: I'm gonna keep it